We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. To the Budding Heads podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's Tuesday night. Colby Kingston just booked his trip to WrestleMania. What did you book today? Uh, you know, I think I booked, uh, you know, some lunch in my lunch pail. I, I made myself a burrito. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, re- really interesting stuff there. I just made some stir fry for myself for lunch tomorrow, and I withheld on rice or pasta. So I'll report back next week to let you guys know how that is, or realistically, I probably will not mention that next week. But uh, we got a good show for you guys tonight. Trevor Sigma of the Draft Network is coming on to talk NFL Draft. He's going to educate me because I don't know shit about the draft yet, but uh, we already recorded that interview, and I feel a lot better about it. But guys, before we get to Trevor and before we talk about some other stuff, don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to your podcast. You can find us anywhere, places like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, 
SoundCloud, the whole nine yards. If we're not on a podcast network that you know people listen to, let us know. And if you have feedback, be sure to hit us up about it. Uh, we, we're always looking for feedback, both positive and negative. You can find our podcast on the Clutch Points app, great sports app for NFL and NBA, and they're even expanding to other stuff. And on our network, find other shows like Rams Talk Radio with Derek Ciapala and guest hosts like Michael Stewart and Josh Kolak and Rams Uncensored, a new podcast on our feed that, guys, uh, they're a little different, but they're an interesting listen, so definitely go check them out as well. Before we get to Trevor, we do want to start with the big news out of Rams Nation today, and that is that Sean McVay said the Rams would absolutely like to bring back Marcus Peters. Uh, Johnny, I'll let you start, and then I'm going to pull up some of McVay's quotes, but do you absolutely want to extend Marcus Peters? Part of me wants to say absolutely, but part of me is like, uh, depends. So here's the thing. Peters is really talented. That's undeniable. He may have struggled a bit last season, but towards the end of the year, he pulled it together. And I think if the Rams do end up signing Peters to a contract extension, you'd ultimately need to bring in at least another talented cornerback next to him because I think that was the problem is you kind of needed that balance for a guy like Marcus Peters. So I think from a front office point of view, you need to keep that in mind if you bring back a guy like Peters because while he has so much talent to give, I don't know if he can be the true number one guy and the only number one guy in uh, the secondary. Uh, perhaps I'm thinking a little bit too much on it, but what are your thoughts, Steve? I, I think if you can get a reasonable contract, I would love to have him back. A, because Peters is and part of my French. There's no other way to put this. Just Peters is fucking awesome, man. He cracks me up every time I hear him on the mic. I think we ain't done yet. Gumbo Bowl, the man is a quote machine. But on the field, obviously, there was some ups and downs, and I'm – I'll read McVeigh's quote from the article on the Rams website. He said, we're excited about building into year two. And we've really been pleased with Marcus, especially pleased with what you can find out with all the experience that we went through in year one. The talent is there. Love the person. And he is passionate about the game. That was the one thing that we talked about a lot last year. But when you got guys that love football and that are good people, at the end of the day, you can work with that. The passion and the different things, you love that. I've loved working with Marcus so far. I couldn't have said it better better myself, Sean. Now, we know there's a lot of contract stuff that the Rams are going into in the future. Signing Peters would be one of the last players you could really extend. Is he worth it? We'll see how year two looks. I mean, look, this guy was an all-pro very early in his career. And when Aki Talib went down, that kind of threw a wrench into the Rams' defensive schemes. The depth behind him wasn't great. I mean, when you go from playing across from Aki Talib to playing across from Troy Hill, no disrespect to Troy Hill, that's a big change for Peters. What he's being asked to do is different. What he's being asked to do is probably different than what he was being asked to do in Kansas City. And I think once Talib came back, he got a little more comfortable and he looked really good and looked like at least close to the guy that they traded for. And I, I, Another quote from McVeigh in this article. I thought his best game was arguably the Super Bowl. And really, I don't know where the cutoff was. But really, the last half of the season, he played really good football. I think he is such an instinctual, tough football player. He's got a charisma and a presence and a swagger about himself. 
But I think the thing I was most pleased by Marcus was you find out a lot about people when they go through some tough times, some adversity, and the way he responded from some of those things early in the year is what you love about him. He definitely went through some adversity, most notably that first Saints game. But look what happened in the second Saints game. Michael Thomas, who obliterated the Rams his first game, was kind of kept in check by our, by our man Marcus Peters and he keep the lead. So if it's not a huge contract and the quarterbacks are getting big money, if he plays out of his mind next year, we might not be able to afford him. But I think at the very least, he's definitely going to be a guy they will consider franchise tagging in 2020. And if they can make a long-term deal work and keep enough con- contract space, I guess, to re-sign John Johnson, who's probably a big guy that we're looking at in the future, I'd love it, man. I'd love to have him back. But extending Marcus Peters before next season, I think, would be a huge mistake. I want to see him play another year. And if he plays well next year, I'm absolutely okay with bringing back the guy. Yeah, you, you brought up a, a great point and you know, uh, seeing kind of looking forward, you know, rather than looking in the uh, in the past, you know, one of the biggest mistakes any team makes is by serving up an extension that, you know, doesn't end up, you know, working out. You know, the Rams are kind of familiar with that in some instances. Nick Foles, Tavon Austin. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in that regard, it is a good point. But also, too, to keep in mind uh, the other contracts that are expiring, you mentioned John Johnson. And, and if I'm going to be 100% honest, I'd be more interested in extending Johnson before, uh, you know, before Peters. Not necessarily in the order, because I believe we have Johnson for a couple more years under contract. But um, I, I would much rather be in a situation where I can re-sign Johnson without any issues rather than worrying about re-signing him uh, because I, I think Johnson is going to be one of the top safeties in the league. I agree, but I think you know, timing-wise, Peters is going to come up before Johnson. I believe. For sure. I believe Johnson is up in 2020. Let me look at this right now while I'm talking. But I, I just love Peters, man. I, I've unapologetically loved Peters. I think he's been frustrating, but he's been a really fun guy to have on the team. Yeah. So Peters will be up in 2020. So when next season, if the Rams or did I say Peters, Peters is up this year. Johnson is 2020. If the Rams franchise tag Peters next year, it's going to be interesting to see what they do from there. But I think keeping Johnson, especially if he continues to get better, should be a huge priority for this team. And again, that's why I don't think you extend P- Peters this off this off season. I want to see another year from him. If he comes out, playing great and you can extend him early in the season sure why not but uh, it remains to be seen if that's gonna be worth it yet and there's a lot a lot of variables that'll go into that all right i think we can move on to there johnny and get to our interview with trevor sigma so without further further ado let's talk some draft all right we are here with trevor sigma of pewter report and draft network llc you can find trevor on twitter at tampa bay trade trevor thanks for coming on man of course, man. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Uh, so I'll be honest, and I'm sure as most of our listeners know, Johnny's been d- doing a little bit of draft research himself, but I'm kind of clueless right now. I haven't done my research. I don't watch <laughs> a lot of college ball, so I, I'm really excited to have you come on to tell me about these prospects that I've been hearing about and just guys that we think would be good fits for the Rams because we have a couple needs, and 
to me and Johnny, if you have any other ones you could say, but I think the biggest needs are inside linebacker and defensive tackle. And then a secondary need would be at the offensive line and then edge rushers, which is a little bit less of a need with Clay Matthews coming in. But Trevor, I just want to, I want to hear from you, you know, what kind of players do you think the Rams should be looking at in this draft? And in particular at number 31 in the first round? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start with an overview. I kind of think that edge rusher is a big deal for him. And I know that I know that Fowler's coming back. But um, I still think the edge is probably their biggest need because Fowler, although I thought that he played pretty well actually down the stretch uh, for the Rams, at least he gave them the splash plays that they needed on the edge. Um, I would say that that's probably their primary need. Linebacker would be right after that and then – you know, they got a lot of money into it, but but consistent cornerback play. So they got to either figure out whether they're, they're going to get it out of the guys that they have, or or maybe get some different guys in there. Because obviously, you know, Rams' offense kind of is what it is. Speaks for itself. It's what right. uh, what got them to the Super Bowl. But um, I would probably say that those three would be in order of my my highest priority there. If if you're going for a guy at the top of the draft to make an impact in one of your big areas of need, those would probably be the order that I would uh, that I would operate out of for the Rams. Right, and I think a lot of people think they might trade out, but to me personally, I'd rather get a stud if we can at that pick. And you know, you mentioned edge rushers. Let's let's talk about some guys that sure. could be potential picks. Johnny, you what edge rushers do you want to get some input from Trevor on? So personally, I, I feel like this uh, draft is loaded with uh, edge rushers. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there's quite a few in this draft class uh, that that could potentially fall to pick 31. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, you, you, it's kind of to be seen what's going to happen with this edge rush class because you, know, you look at Nick Bosa as a guy who's probably going to go in the top three. Josh Allen's probably going to go in the top five. But then after that, there's a lot of talk for these guys. Like, there's a lot of talk for Brian Burns, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't even know if he's going to go top fifteen. He might just be a, you know, he might just be a guy that draft Twitter is really high on that maybe the NFL really isn't. You don't really know where Cleveland Farrell's going to go because you wonder how athletic you think the NFL is. Montez Sweat, I would have told you, was a you know a late first-round pick until he basically put on the best athletic combine that any defensive edge player has ever put on. So who knows where that's going. Rashawn Gary could be a tweener player. Ja'Kai Polite had those weird interviews at the combine. And so all of those guys that I just named, really talented football players, can make a difference in the NFL on a bunch of different teams. But as for like where they're gonna go, we're not really sure yet. And so I think the possibility is kind of you got to if you're the Rams, you're almost keeping it open to picking almost any of those guys outside of Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. So, uh, the funny the funny thing is you kind of mentioned uh, two of the guys that are uh, that I have questions about. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, my my one of my personal favorites that I would love to see drop to the Rams. Uh, I, I don't think he's gonna, but maybe you have uh, some input on this. Is uh, Montez Sweat? Uh, he recently got uh, diagnosed with uh, with uh, some sort of heart issue. Um, I, I don't know if that'll affect his draft status completely. But uh, what are your thoughts on Sweat? So I think that in terms of the heart condition, we, we'll talk about that first. I, I do think that it it speaks to the severity, or or I guess lack of better or a better way to put it. Um, not the, the severity of his heart condition, because you remember last year, they didn't even let Maurice Hurst work out of the combine. You know, they found this this heart condition that he had, and they were like, no, we're, we're not even going to let you work out. Montez Sweat, they found it, 
And they're like, no, you'll be okay. We'll, we'll let you work out. And so I wouldn't look too much into the heart condition. I think he's still going to be able to play. I don't think teams are going to have too big of concerns on him. So if you take that away, and that's not really in the equation because I don't think it really is, this dude is an explosive linear athlete. I mean, moving in a straight line, this guy can straight up get off the ball. His first step explosiveness is great. Um, how he moves in a straight line, how explosive he could be into the chest of offensive tackles. And we saw that a lot at the senior bowl. He was really winning a lot with with a bull rush at the senior bowl. And I think that that's just because offensive tackles who were in Mobile couldn't handle him. They couldn't handle how fast he got off the ball and how he was able to use his leverage and get into guys and be able to put him on skates, if you will, and push him straight back into the quarterback. But then you also have to be real with Montez Sweat, and you got to realize he's not really that flexible in the hips. You know, this isn't a guy that's going to totally dominate offensive tackles on the outside of their hips, whether it's on the right or the left. And so that's kind of where he's limited. Now, I do think that he's going to get drafted in the top 20 just because of how athletic he is, the production that he had over the couple of, I think he had more than more than 20 sacks over the last two years, ended up coming back for his senior year when he didn't have to. Teams are going to really like that about him. Um, they're going to obviously like the combine numbers that came out. So I do think that he's probably going to be a top 20 guy just because of what I said there, but he is a little bit limited. He's a guy who you really got to keep as a 4-3 hand-in-the-ground defensive end because when he, you've got to give him that natural ability to get out of his stance, fire off the ball, get the most out of that first step, get into some offensive linemen and kind of make up for that lack of flexibility that he might have there. And so um, all that to kind of profile the kind of player that he is. But boy, if he made it to 31 uh, where the Rams pick, I'd be really shocked. And I mean, you mentioned he's a 4-3 type player. Even if he did fall, do you even think because the Rams run a 3-4 pretty much exclusively, would he be worth for the Rams to take at that point, even though he'd be a great talent for that number? Yeah, I mean... So I think that we do get caught up a little too much in scheme specifics. Certainly you want a guy that can play from a two-point stance, but I feel like you might be able to rotate that in with maybe what Fowler is off the edge, him being able to play out of a two-point stance, and you could still potentially get something with Montez on the other side, even if he is a hand in the ground. Because, you know, three fours and four threes, certainly it's it's about the philosophy and how you build out your roster. But at the end of the day, if if – if you've got to modify a 3-4 to look a little bit like a 4-3 to get the most out of certainly a, a position as important as edge player, you can do that. So I do think that he would still be a possibility And when the Rams are looking at their roster and go, hey, we really need edge. If Montez Sweat would be there at 31, I don't think that they would go, ah, man, you know, not going to take him. I'm going to pass on him just because he's not exactly a fit. I still think that they would be able to take a guy like that and work with him. So I, I do have like one uh, kind of a luxury pick question. So for, for me personally, the, the guy that I want to draft is actually a guy that isn't necessarily a need for the Rams. And that is a, a nose tackle. So for me, I I'm, would be really excited if the Rams had an opportunity to draft a guy like Dexter Lawrence. Uh, do you think there's a possibility that Lawrence would be a good fit for the Rams and would he even drop to pick 31? Yeah, I think that there's a chance that we'll, that um, the Dexter Lawrence is, is dropping to 31. I think that he's probably going to be the latter half of the first round guy, and it's going to get, you know, there's, I think his projection cone of where he could go is a little bit higher than 
than um, or at least more vast than normal for for nose tackles because this guy is so athletic for a guy that his size. You know, he's a 340 pound dude who can really fire off the ball and can really move. Now he's not going to be necessarily the disruptor that some other three tech natural kind of guys are, but the Rams don't really need that, right? I mean, they just need a guy who's got a ton of size who's not going to slow him down too much in that middle. And so I think Dexter Lawrence could certainly be a fit for the Rams, especially when you're pairing him next to. Well, I guess that's not really fair. Anytime you pair anybody with a guy like Aaron Donald, they're gonna look <laughs> they're gonna look pretty good. But no, that's I, I do think that that's an interesting spot for him, and I think it's one that could work out, especially if you're looking to get more stout up front. You're looking to control the line of scrimmage a little bit better, and yet still give yourself that pass rush element that Dexter Lawrence could still bring his ability to push the pocket, get quarterbacks outside of there having a move to their left or right, getting him out of the pocket, getting him out on the run. Dexter Lawrence is somebody that you could pair in to do that. And so I do think that he would be available at 31. I wonder if they would pick him over certain other edge players or maybe linebacker players that might be left. But he's a consideration. I could see that. Well, I definitely think that he'd be a really important need for the Rams because with Ndamukong and Sue leaving and with this is Michael Brockers last year on his contract, there there may not be another veteran there to play next to Aaron Donald in two years. And even this year, we still need a third starter, whether it's John Franklin Myers or whether it's a guy we draft. If Dexter Lawrence is there, I think that could potentially be a great pick. But let's say if Lawrence isn't there, because I know a lot of mocks have him going in the mid-first. Are there other defensive tackles that you could see being available and actually being worth taking at 31? Because you know, a lot of the mocks I'm looking at, there's a lot of defensive tackles at the top of the first round, and it kind of tails off. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think right off the top of my head. I mean, Quinnen's going in the top five. Ed Oliver's going in the top ten. I think Christian Wilkins is going in the top 15. I do think that Jerry Tillery is probably going to go before 31, although he'll be pretty close. They could potentially get lucky with Jerry Tillery, but um, I think he's more of a pass rusher than he is necessarily a solid nose tackle. The guy that you might want to take a home run chance on is, 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 is 31, might be a guy like Jeffrey Simmons. Now, Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best 10 college players in, er, players in college football last year. I mean, he was just phenomenal from an interior defensive line spot. He he is big enough and strong enough to play as a nose tackle, yet he's got pass rush ability to him. He's such a stout run defender, but had an ACL tear back in January. And so this is something that, um, I believe it was January, it's something that's you know going to put him back a little bit. He's not going to be able to play that beginning of the year. But I'll tell you what, though. If you pick him in that first round, at the end of the first round, you get that free extra year of his contract with that team option. So it's almost as if, hey, you're getting a guy that you might have taken top of the second round, except you're giving him that full year to recover from that knee injury and potentially step in and really be a force as an interior player for four years then on a rookie contract. And so if you had, I'd say Tillery, you got a chance at Simmons, I'd say You'd have a pretty good chance at as well if you feel like taking that risk. But those are two guys who I'd probably target us on the interior at, the, at 31. And I think that rookie contract could be huge because, you know, it's Johnny and I have talked about on this podcast previously, the contract books are going to get clogged pretty soon as soon as the team has to extend Jared Goff. They've already extended guys like Donald and Cooks and Gurley. So nailing these picks with good talent on rookie deals is going to be crucial to this team keeping their championship window open. That yep. Yeah, and the last position I want to talk about on defense is inside linebacker. Uh, the Rams cut Mark Barron. Right now, Micah Kaiser is slated to be the starter. He was a fifth-round pick last year. But yeah. how do you feel about the inside linebacker class in this draft? Because I'm not seeing a lot of guys near 
the top of the draft. And I mean, is there anyone even that there would be worth the Rams taking in the first round that would fall to 31? Yeah, look, I love the top of this draft. Two dudes named Devin, Devin White and Devin Bush. They're great. They're awesome linebackers. They're going to be heck of pros in the NFL. I think both of them are really great. But neither of them are less than 31. There's no there's there's no way either of those guys are going to be less than 31 and then gets a little it gets a little dicey. I I like Mac Wilson. I've liked things I've seen from him, but some stuff off the field, maybe some priorities, you know, him have how much does he really love ball? You know, what, did he declare too early just because he wanted to kind of go to the NFL, be done with it? I've heard those kinds of things. Joe Giles Harris is okay, but I'm not getting super pumped up about him. Blake Cashman, I really like Blake Cashman, but they need they need something else around him. You know, I, I don't I'm not really getting out of my seat for a Blake Cashman and Micah Kaiser pairing. You know, if they had another really great linebacker next to Cashman, then you're talking about a really great linebacker duo, and so. But you don't got to pick any of those guys at 31. So if we're talking about 31, that's not really a good place for linebacker. That's not a sweet spot. And if they, if they would be taking a linebacker at 31, I think they'd be really reaching for a need when they don't have to, when they could fill a couple of different spots and maybe you know, take a chance on a linebacker late second round, late third round might be better options, even though still not really thrilled about the depth of this linebacker class. It's going to get a little thin over there. And so not really sure if this is the class that you're looking to – at a real impact linebacker right off the bat and Cashman maybe have a chance, but everybody else I think is pretty much a projection. Yeah. And given how strong some of the other positions we talked about, I don't think reaching for an inside linebacker there would be necessary considering the holes that this team needs to field. Johnny, did you have any uh, final questions about defensive prospects before we talk a little bit about offensive linemen? So actually I have a kind of a piggyback question uh, back to defensive tackle because this is, actually a, a, a spot I would love to see the Rams take a defensive tackle in, in your opinion would you rather have Lawrence at 31 or um, maybe somebody else I think you'd I, him and Tillery I really think that they could they could they could be tossed up guys I think Lawrence would be nice just because you guys you touched on earlier really good compliment I think to what Donald it does because Lawrence takes up so much space takes up so much attention he's a guy who you know, as a guy who's like 340 pounds, when he fires off the ball so quickly, you've almost got to double him or else he's pushing a dude back and you're basically losing the pocket off the snap. And so anything that kind of gets double teams and gets attention so far off of Aaron Donald that you can let him do his thing a one-on-one, I think it really comes to their advantage. And so Tillery, I think, is more of a pass rusher, as I said before. I'd like Simmons, depending on how much you, you trust him recovering from that injury. But I guess if I'm taking an interior defense tackle, especially for what I'm thinking the Rams need, no, Dexter Lawrence I think would be a really good pick there. Yeah, let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. I think Lawrence has been one of the top names we've seen float around for the Rams. Another guy that Rams Twitter absolutely loves is Dalton Risner out of Kansas State. We had him on one of our podcasts recently. He seems like an awesome dude. Seems like a perfect yeah. fit you'd want. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on his fit for the Rams who right now – are in need of a guard or a center, but also long-term will probably need a left tackle. And then is there any other lineman you would like, you think that would fit, particularly in those positions at 31? Yeah, so I, I'm i a big fan of Reisner, man. I mean, I heard him talk at the combine. I was at his podium for the combine session, and, and this dude was awesome. I mean, he, the, the way he talked about playing offensive line, you know, the, the, how it drives him to have such a bond with his teammates and 
and being a part of a collective unit and and doing all the hard work on a on a a unit in a position that just never really gets any glory. I mean, you know, you play 50 snaps a game, and if you give up one sack out of 50 snaps, you're trash. You know, so <laughs> it's 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 so hard playing offensive line and knowing that you're you're not really getting the recognition that you deserve. But the way that he talked about playing, it just made me feel so good about the attitude that he has for it, the punishment he'll take in the NFL, and how he truly loves it. I'll never forget. I mean, the quote that he had when he was at the podium on somebody asked him, hey. Why do you play offensive line? Why do you love it? And the quote that he rattled off immediately, he kind of smiled and he said, there's nothing like moving a man from point A to point B against his will. You know, and so that that is that was such a great quote when I heard him say that at the podium. And I'm like, this is the guy that I would want on my team. And so he's a player who's played right tackle. He's played some guard. Some people think that he could be a center at the NFL. He's a true versatile offensive lineman. I'd really like him at any spot, really. And so... No, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm with you there. He would be. I'm with Rams fans who agree with this that he would be a great pick at pick number 31. I'm trying to think if, you know, if Dillard is there late and you want a, a guy who you're betting on your athleticism, you could go with something like that. Yadni Kajus, I think he's more of a second round guy, but potentially if that's really where you want to go, if you want to beef up the offensive line, that's somewhat of a potential pick at 31. But certainly, if, if I'm listing off all of those guys, Reisner's ahead of all of them for for that for late first round pick. Well, do you think he could be a left tackle? Um, I think. Hmm, see, it's, that's so hard for me to say because it, it's not as easy, obviously, as just switching a right tackle to left tackle in Madden, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. It's, you're you're flipping a mirror on a guy. You're getting with you're doing different things different with your feet. You're punching guys different on the point of attack, and it really is a learning curve to move from left to right I'd, I'd be more comfortable with him staying at right tackle uh, just because that i know he can do it well i wouldn't draft him thinking that i have my franchise left tackle here could he fill in and do it yes i think that he could just because he is a talented offensive lineman but he's a guy who i would i would rather find a home at right tackle than i would necessarily at left tackle looking at looking at some boards i've seen tight it seems like a pretty solid tight end class the rams they have Gerald Everett at tight end. Who I think they're going to stick with moving forward. But is there anyone that if they were at 31, the Rams couldn't say no to? Because tight end is not a huge position to need. But if they could upgrade it, it would add something different to this offense. Yeah, just I think looking and thinking about the other needs that they have at interior defensive line and edge play, potentially linebacker, potentially cornerback. I think the only tight ends that you're really considering at 31 uh, would be if you're blown away and Noah Fan or TJ Hawkinson are there. I don't think either of them are going to be there, but certainly if that is the case, I think you're game changers on offense. Um, like you said, they give you mismatch potential that that even other positions that the Rams have and are deep at, it, it just doesn't exist there. If I'm the Rams, I'm not really reaching for Irv Smith. I like Irv Smith. He can be a solid second-round pick. I think he's going to really help out a team, but when I think about the rest of the needs that the Rams have, especially on the edge, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not uh, I'm not taking Irv Smith over one of those defensive ends that we named there that could really help the team in a more immediate need. If it's the if the Iowa guy is somehow last until 31, uh, you you could bet your butt you could take him, but um, anybody else, um, I, I'd probably pass on his, at 31 at least. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it'd be. Given the needs, tight end would kind of be a weird choice. But I do kind of think about weird choices. The Rams, a couple of their best players, clearly Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley, 
when they drafted those two guys, those were not position of needs really at all. At 31 is, and the answer might be no, and that's fine. Do you think there's any like outside the box candidates at positions the Rams don't have a huge need for that the team could look at and say, we cannot pass on this guy, kind of like they did with Aaron Donald and to a lesser extent, Todd Gurley? Well, I guess, I mean, I'm thinking corner off the top of my head. I mean, if somebody like, I mean, if Greedy somehow dropped all the way down to 31, I mean, I think you would think about picking him, especially for how aggressive the Rams like to be in their defensive coverages. So uh, I think he's a possibility there. Perhaps a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, if you really want uh, a guy of his talent in the secondary to come along there. I'm not sure that he makes the 31 either, but... No, the Rams are smart, though. I mean, like, they they often pick talent over forcing a need, and I think the reason why they do that is because they trust their coaching staff. They trust themselves to make the most out of the talented players that they have on the roster. Um, getting back to, you know, how we talked about schemes and guys being scheme versatile and, and making the most out of who you have and the, the types of talented guys that you have on the team there. And so I think the Rams, more than other teams in the NFL, are teams that don't necessarily – put themselves in a box or, or back themselves against the wall to make sure they have to pick a certain position. You know, we're talking about ways that they can improve the most and easy one in one pick to starter pairings that we see that could work out for them by just looking at the depth chart. But yeah, certainly the Rams past in history have, have uh, shown us that they're very open to, to making sure that they just get the players that will make their football team better, whether it happens exactly next year or whether it happens in the future. I think the Rams are, are a good example of that. If Greedy Williams falls to him at 31, they have to make that pick, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I think that, yeah, his name popped out right to me just because of uh, the scheme fit and the talent fit. And I think the Rams always allow themselves to do that. And so if it, if it happens, then, uh, yeah, I think they jump on it. I know you got places to be, Trevor, but last question quickly. Ultimately, if you're the if you're less need picking at 31, and the players that are expected to be there are there. Who's the guy that you would take? Oh, I'm going to go outside the box. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Ja'Kai Polite. Uh, because had Polite not had such a weird combine, which I don't even know how much I'm, I'm putting against him with that, we're talking about a top 15 player in this class. But Polite has some of the best edge rushing tape in this entire class, you could put it up against anybody. You could put it up against Josh Allen, even guy like a guy like Nick Bosa. Jakai's efficiency and how he won and the things that he did at Florida this year were so great. And that is such a big position of need for the Rams that Polite said at the Combine, he loved his interview with the Los Angeles Rams, getting to meet uh, with McVay. He felt really comfortable there. He felt like they... They accepted him. They liked him. And I think that's the biggest thing for Polite is that he just needs to have a support system around him to kind of help him mature into the young man that he needs to be and have the right priorities and keep his body up to shape and becoming the best football player he could be because, holy cow, we saw him be one of the best in all of college football last year. And if you're going to take a risk on one of those guys and the guys that I expect to potentially be on the board at pick number 31, Polite gives you the biggest home run potential for a team that knows that they already have the offense to make it to a Super Bowl. You've just got to get some big defensive playmakers. And so I think that taking a chance on Ja'Kai Polite could really turn out to be a home run for him. Hey, you sold me on him right there. And I think uh, they have two guys there in Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler. 
Neither feel like long-term solutions. We've talked about how we'd rather Matthews is more of a pa- situational pass rusher. You yeah. bring in a guy like Polite, that'd probably be a perfect fit for that. All right, Trevor. Yep. Well, uh, where can the people find you online, and you know where can they listen to you? I know you. I know you got a podcast coming up later tonight. Sure. Yeah. Um, on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey T R E. I talk all kinds of stuff on there. I'm talking football all the time. We're talking draft, uh, NFL, college football, and um, I try to keep it light on there too. Uh, crack some jokes every now and then. Make sure people enjoy their time on there instead of just arguing all the time. But uh, that's where you can find most of my work. And then. Of course, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, myself and my co-host, John Ledyard. We talk NFL Draft five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, It's going to be a jam-packed month this month, talking about different mock drafts and scenarios of of what teams might do as we kind of come into the home stretch here. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You definitely educated me tonight, Trevor, and I appreciate you coming on. I'll definitely go and check out uh, the Locked On Draft podcast. But thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. Had a blast. Thanks for having me on. No problem. All right, thanks again to Trevor for coming on. You can follow him at Tampa Bay Trey. And we're going to move on to some other topics here. Before we do, guys, we got to throw a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawks and his book, Hollywood Steam, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, a book I'm reading right now. It's an awesome book. There's honestly some great anecdotes about you know, some of the Hall of Famers in this book, Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Leg Search, Tom Fears, Les Richter. Even Night Train Lane is in this book, Bob Waterfield. It, it's this book. I'm about halfway through it. It's jam-packed with information. There's some really, really interesting information about how the Rams had to get their lease on the stadium, uh, You know how the Rams were one of the first teams to integrate African-Americans into the NFL, or should I say reintegrate, because the history is foggy about those early years of the NFL and uh, how the, they were treated. And it's, it's really just an, it's interesting how they had to go through it. And you know, Jim Hawk is unapologetic in his views about the NFL at that time in the civil rights movement and stuff like that, but gives credit where it's due. And this book is just full of, it's rich with information. And also it's a very personal story about Jim's parents, his dad, John Hawk. The book revolves around John Hawk who played offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Guys, this is a great story about a person's father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future hall of famers. You could find this book online hollywoodteam.com on twitter at hollywoodteam it's available in both hardback and electronic format amazon and barnes and noble and it is coming in paperback in september and you can find this book through various other books on the internet guys this is an awesome story and it's just a great personal story about the person's father and the legacy he left behind as well as like i mentioned not only just history about the rams the history of los angeles the hollywood area and the sports that came into it during this time it's a great story guys trust me hollywood team great glamour in the 1950s los angeles rounds by jim hawk is well worth your time all right i don't want to spend a lot of time on this but it has to be mentioned on this podcast the nfl has passed a ruling that is going to allow coaches to challenge pass interference calls and other missed penalties johnny what's your take on this well now we won't have to we won't have to hear the crying that comes particularly from a southern region because yeah this uh this is actually an important rule and and you know it's one that i don't necessarily mind you know since implementing the challenge it it always kind of baffled me that that there are certain things that aren't challengeable and yeah some things make sense but for something as important as a pass interference call i always felt should have been 
challengeable to begin with. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad it's happening. And this way, if you know, <laughs> if Roby Coleman wants to push anyone else, at least now, <laughs> at least now uh, he'll they'll have an opportunity to challenge him for it. I've always thought that in every sport, you should get three challenge flags and you should be able to challenge whatever you want. We can replay anything. Uh, you know, even in baseball, like if you wanted to challenge whether it was a ball or a strike, you should be able to. In football, if a ref makes a blatantly bad call, you should be able to challenge it and the ref should be able to go back and look at their mistake and decide if they want to change it or not. And this is just, it's a complete no brainer to me. It's something that should have been implemented a long time ago when the challenge came in. Um, some people I know are against more replays in the sport replay should be in every sport because everything should be as correct as it possibly can now, i'm not going to sit here and say every bad call should be automatically reviewed every questionable play should be automatically reviewed. i think the ref should make the call on the field and coaches should be able to challenge it and sometimes the refs are wrong a lot of the time the refs are wrong as we know and i do want to say too i think that they did announce that there should have been a pass interference call on the patriots in the super bowl guys let's not be the fan base who complains about every call on bad officiating. I said it before the Saints game. I said it when we were making that stupid petition to get the refs that ultimately helped send us to the Super Bowl removed from that game. And I'm saying it after the, all of this. It the, the fan bases and the players and the coaches that just constantly complain about the officiating are the worst. Yeah, if a call doesn't go your way and you complain about it for a little bit, sure. But there are players, there are coaches, and there are fans in every sport that just sit there and blame the refs for everything. And guys, the refs cannot be blamed for everything. Teams can win games on other plays than the one or two blatant bad calls you get. As we know from what we've talked about for months on this podcast after the NFC Championship game, just let's not do it. And after the NFC Championship also, we lost our right to complain about calls for an entire year, I think. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, Johnny, but I think our complaining rights have been revoked. Uh, I, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna bitch and complain if there's a bad call. I'm not gonna. Lie. <laughs> it's but that's fine. Um, fine. But uh, I, I, I do agree though. Like, you know, no matter how many bad calls are given, there's always gonna be a sense of responsibility that a team has to take for a loss. And the fact that the Saints still complain about this, it's like, why didn't you take accountability? for the lack of anything that happened in that game until the final seconds of the game. So uh, for me, yeah, if if uh, bad calls happen, you have the right to complain. To harp on it for months to years on end, uh, yeah, um, no. That, that needs to stop, like, really quickly. Sean Payton is just Jeff Fisher with a better quarterback and a, ring, and a win in his only Super Bowl. How many Super Bowls has he been to? None. Oh, and he cheated. Hey, you look at their resumes, Some it's a little hard to differentiate them. Lack of playoff success, a lot of mediocrity, one Super Bowl appearance. I'm just putting it out into the world. <laughs> Somewhere down there, someone spilled their gumbo. <laughs> I, take it to Twitter on me. Sean Payton, overrated, cheater, Jeff Fisher with a ring. Okay, moving on. Uh, we talked a lot about the new the uh, contract situations last week, and we had to come correct ourselves. We were wrong on literally all of them. Uh, I think we both expected four or five million for Blake Bortles. He got one million, uh, which is insane, but that's largely because the Jaguars still owe him six point five million. Clay Matthews, we mentioned his big contract, but 
In reality, the base is only $9.25 million with $5.5 million guaranteed. Big incentive base over two years, which I think is a lot better. Still might be a little bit of an overpay, but a lot better than the, what was it, $16, $18 million that he was promised. It was like 16 and a half, right? Yeah, something to that extent. Yeah, and then Malcolm Brown, who we, I, uh, I don't know how you thought, I thought he would be getting like four, at least four million a year from Detroit on that offer sheet. 1.65 million per year in a two year deal, less than you would have made on his tender, but another year for a guy that is, that is coming back from injury, probably wise, and the Rams match that. So it is fantastic to have him back. I'll just give my thoughts here quick and then you could, you could give yours. The Clay Matthews contract, I don't think it's a, a like, it's not a steal, but it's not an overpay. I think it's just fine. It is what it is. It's an okay contract. Uh, and, now, Clay Matthews in the Rams jersey is going to be cool. I've mentioned that I love players past their prime in New Jersey's. I might have to get one of those. Uh, Blake Bortles on a one-year million-dollar contract literally is one of the best contracts in the NFL that's not a rookie deal. If you could get a top-five backup, I believe, for $1 million, you do that every time. Any team in the league would assign Blake Bortles to that deal. No question. If he came back to Jacksonville and said, hey, I'll pay, pay for $1 million, they might have even brought him back. And Malcolm Brown, I think that this is a very solid deal. If assuming he makes a full recovery from his injury, this is a position that we talked about in depth that they needed. They might have needed to bring somebody in at, and I think bringing back Brown is is just fantastic to me. I'm very happy about it. And unfortunately, this means C.J. Anderson is probably a goner. I don't think they have the money for him, and hopefully, somebody ponies up and pays him. But what what are your thoughts on these three deals? Or has anything changed from last week? Okay, so Bortles, you both you and I kind of were talking about how that was was a great signing because you know he's a great backup for for Jared Goff, and at one million dollars, this makes it one of the best signings of free agency. I mean, this is a quality backup. This is a guy that if you know, God forbid, Jared Goff does go down with an injury, this is a guy that can step up and be a starter he has that starting experience and that's something that's really hard to find in the nfl so having him at one million dollars that's insane i i'm pretty sure that he's probably the cheapest veteran backup that we ever had i'm I'm pretty sure we signed sean hill to a much more expensive contract you know remember hill (laughs) do i remember hill yeah, of course yeah. I remember Hill. We all remember Sean Hill and his contract. I guarantee you was way more expensive than this one million. Albeit, yes, Bortles is getting about six million from Jacksonville, so that helps. But regardless, it's still only really a one million dollar cost to the Los Angeles Rams. So, kudos to Les Need for working that out because uh, now they have a reliable backup and hopefully. Uh, they can swing some sort of deal like that again uh, once his contract expires. Uh, now, moving on to Clay Matthews. So for me, I am, you know, it's undeniable. Let me, let me get this out. It's undeniable that Clay Matthews is one of the more exciting players to watch when he actually, you know, hits somebody. That being said, as kind of the older guy uh, not being – the more reliable every down linebacker. Now, I don't know if I'd, uh, if I was really wanting to get this guy 
for you know a nine uh, two year nine point two five million base. You know, I, I may be nitpicking a little bit, but I think that's kind of a lot to, to ask for uh, for basically a situational pass rusher is which she I mean, they if they keep the roster the way it is now, they're going to try and keep him in as a starter. But realistically speaking, he is a situational pass rusher. If And if they try and keep him in for more than that, he's just going to be a body out there. And that's not what I want to see. So to to have a guy that is better off being a situational pass rusher, that's kind of an expensive contract. And especially for a guy that's past his prime. So, you know, I know that's not gonna I'm not gonna get a lot of love for that and I I don't care because it's <laughs> it's the truth. I, I I'm just being honest. I, I feel like uh they, they could have looked elsewhere and uh, instead, you know, settled for a guy like Matthews. I will say that the only way this kind of, you know, makes me feel a little bit better is if they go in the draft and draft a younger guy. Because, yeah, it's an expensive mentor, but you still have a mentor to teach uh, a younger guy, um, you know, the finer finer things in uh, edge rushing. So, um, yeah, kudos for at least not making a 16.75 million. Uh, but Thank still, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes it a little bit better, but still <laughs> a little on the expensive side, in my opinion. Uh, and now if I'm Malcolm Brown, I'm kind of pissed off, you know, cause you, you get the lions who like, I don't, I, I, I we kind of talked about this last week. I don't know what he what role he could possibly have in that jumbled up mixture of backup running backs there. But on top of that, he he's now making less money after the offer sheet. I don't know if I'm brown, I'm kind of pissed. You know, albeit it's not that big of a drop off, but still, you know, if you're going to be signed to an offer sheet, ideally you want to be signed for more than the tender's worth. Now you're basically saying the Rams are saying, "Well, well, damn, thank you." You know, you're getting <laughs> this guy for far cheap. Well, not far cheaper, but you're getting him cheaper than the actual tender. So the Rams are like, "Wow, you know, can, uh, can you do this more often for our restricted free agents? Just sign them to cheaper deals or offer them cheaper contracts." Uh, yeah, that big thank you to the Lions because. You know, while Brown may not be the most essential player on this roster, he's definitely an important guy, especially if we're going to give Todd Gurley less reps, which we always seem to promise Gurley, and he ends up getting, you know, nearly 400, you know, <laughs> rushing attempts. But, uh, yeah. So, as far as Brown's concerned, that was another steal of a contract. Oddly enough, the only contracts that I felt like weren't steals where are edge rushers in <laughs> Dante Fowler and, and Clay Matthews? Go figure. But, um, yeah, I couldn't be any happier with Malcolm Brown's count contract. Again, thanks for the assist, Lions. The good news is, and you could say not bringing back certain players is a bad move, but I, it's hard to say any of these contracts are bad contracts. And, you know, Matthews and Fowler, I don't, not, neither of us love them, but they're, they're not bad. They're short term. 
uh, no long-term commitments, unlike when you know we mentioned Tavon Austin and Nick Foles, uh, two horrible contract extensions back in the day. But it's, I think they've they've done a, a good job in free agency. Um, we could probably wrap up here in a minute, but there is one thing I want to talk about. A couple years ago, I went to a Vikings game. It was Teddy Bridgewater was the starter, and um, he went down, and Sean Hill came in. I mentioned this before. I didn't expect to see Sean Hill. And the next year, I think it was the next year, they go and bring in Sam Bradford as their backup. And I I said to one of my friends, uh, I was a Vikings fan, I was like, I can't wait in two years when uh, the Vikings sign Sean Mannion as their backup quarterback because – they love. They only sign Rams, wash up Rams quarterbacks, and lo and behold, there's a report out there that the Vikings are interested in quarterback Sean Mannion. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Good luck. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, again, I, I, I am still a fan of the guy. Uh, I, I, again, uh, being a Pac-12 fan. I did see a lot of Sean Mannion, did see a lot of potential there. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. So I do support the guy. I mean, if he if he goes to the Raiders, he's kind of dead to me. But, um, you know, if he goes to the Vikings and Kirk Cousins goes down with an injury, their season is screwed. But, um, you know, if if they have to rely on, on Mannion, I'll at least hope that he does somewhat decent so that he can get continue to be in the league. Otherwise, uh, he may have to find uh, another job with another league. Maybe, maybe the XFL. <laughs> but uh, good luck there. But um, yeah, you know, uh, good luck to Mannion. I do hope he signs with the team again. Don't have any hard feelings towards the guy, uh, and just hope for the best for him. Uh, I, I know you. I know he's. You're kind of one that never really liked him as a player so uh you never you never had any ill feelings or towards the guy but i know he's one that you're happy to see go no I, I don't i just don't think he's good and there's no disrespect to him you know he made it to the nfl he made millions of dollars he's clearly a good quarterback i just don't think he's good enough to be an nfl quarterback and if he goes somewhere else and has success all power to him i i I won't be mad about it. He's not someone where if he goes and ends up being a good player, I'm going to be pissed off. It's it's Sean Mannion. I will say, though, uh, Jared Cook signed with the Saints, uh, a guy who I'm openly not rooting for. So just adding fuel to the Saints rivalry, I guess. They did it on purpose. They're like, you know, Steve over at Rams Talk really hates you. He really doesn't like Sean Payton. We got to sign you, man. We really got to sign you. <laughs> it was just, it was all because of you, man. It was all you. <laughs> I <laughs> I can't believe it, man. Uh, they're officially, if they weren't before, my least favorite team in the NFL. They've got a uh, middle class Jeff Fisher as their head coach. They got a quarterback who throws game losing interceptions, and his whole fan base blames it on the refs. Uh, they got the biggest crybaby in the NFL receiver, and they have Jared Cook who robbed the Rams of millions of dollars for three seasons as their newly minted tight end. So congrats, New Orleans. Good for you. (laughs) Stay classy, New Orleans. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, We can wrap it up there. Uh, We'll we'll try and get some more draft guys on the podcast in the coming weeks to help educate me 
as well as help educate you guys about the draft. But I want to thank Trevor. Again, you can follow him at Tampa Bay Trey. I thought he was awesome. Uh, he was a great guy. really informative. Um, and don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RamsTalk. And you can follow Johnny on Twitter at Johnny5.6. And you can follow me at Seaverbarrow. Any final thoughts here before we head home, Johnny? Remember to eat your gumbo. <laughs> I think we ain't done yet. All right. <laughs> don't forget to find <laughs> our podcast anywhere you get in your podcast. Uh, you know, you know, you guys know where to get them by now. All right. For Johnny Gomez, Steve Ribeiro, talk to you next week. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.